As we come uh, to the end of the six-week study on 1 Corinthians 15, we've been studying the great chapter since Easter, and uh, 1 Corinthians 15 focuses on the resurrection, and we've been talking about all the implications of the resurrection and laying the foundation for understanding the significance of the resurrection of Christ and the significance of that in our life, and uh, not only life to come, but also life now. And so then today we come to the last verse, and I think it's a great verse uh, for conclusion, and obviously the Apostle Paul did as well, because that's how he ended it. But it also is appropriate because it fits right here today with our graduates. And um, I think it's uh, going to be woven in, I hope anyway, to our graduates as a challenge to them, but also to all of us in the life of this church as we hear the last verse out of 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 58. If you look there with me or look on the screen, you'll hear these words from the Apostle Paul. He says, Therefore, and that means everything that he's talked about previously about the resurrection in all 57 verses, his argument about it, his proof about it, his discussion about it, the implications for our life, he comes to verse 58 and he says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Well, as we look at this uh, one verse, and we think about the challenge that it holds for us, I think it's a twofold challenge. And the first one is this that Paul says to us. Paul says, stand firm in your faith. Stand firm, he says. Let nothing move you. Other translations say, be steadfast, unmovable. And the word steadfast means to be firm, fixed, determined, purposed, and faithful. You have to stand fast and fixed on your belief in the Lord if you're going to be successful. Unmovable means not to yield, and unshaken means that you are undisturbed in your faith. I find it interesting that when Paul began 1 Corinthians 15, he gave that same word uh, of warning. He said, be firm. In chapter 15, verse 2, he says, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. So he began with that. Then at the end in the last verse, he says the same thing, stand firm. Don't let anything move you. Now, why does he give us that challenge at the beginning and at the end? Well, it's because there are many things that we encounter in life, especially in our culture in the last 25 to 50 years, that are going to be threats to our faith. And that's why Paul went back to these Corinthians who were having some issues about believing in the resurrection and claiming that for their own lives. Remember, we talked about they lived in that Greek culture that did not affirm the resurrection. And so Paul basically affirmed three things about Jesus. He said, first of all, he was dead and buried, and then God uh, physically and spiritually raised him from the dead, confirmed that he was the Son of God, and brought him back to life. And he is the one who, before all, uh, will one day, everyone will bow before him and kneel before him and acknowledge that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Second, Paul says that the resurrection of Christ guarantees every benefit that the gospel provides. Because God has accepted his sins offering on the cross, our sins are forgiven. We can be uh, free from our guilt and our shame, and we can live in a relationship with God, and Satan has been defeated. And then the third thing he reminds us of is, that when Jesus comes at the, at the trumpet call to claim his children, his church, we will be raised. 
Uh, if we have died before Christ comes and our bodies are in the ground, we will be the first to rise. The dead in Christ will rise and we'll get that resurrection body. And then all those who are alive at that time uh, will be caught up and they'll be transformed as well so that we'll have the body that we need to spend eternity with God in that new heaven and in that new earth that he's going to prepare. Now, in the meantime, here's the challenge to all of us, not just our graduates, but to all of us. And that is stand firm. Do not be moved, be unmovable, unshaken in your faith in Jesus Christ and the resurrection. Because if you allow somebody to talk you out of believing in the resurrection, you pull the very core of our gospel out of it. And there are many threats in our culture today that would challenge us. Over that last 25 to 50 years, there have been so many different religions and so many different philosophies that have permeated our culture today that this graduating class is going to face more challenges to live for Christ than any other generation or any other graduating class. And my challenge to you is do not waver in your faith. Stand firm. Stand firm in your faith in Jesus Christ and the bedrock of your faith. And let no philosophy, no teaching... No matter how strong it might be or no matter how great the the, uh, accreditation of anybody might be, don't let them cause you to waver from that. Stand firm. Kelsey did a great job of reminding your classmates in this church that part of our purpose is to lay a foundation of faith. And we hope that we have laid that foundation of faith in your life and you have a solid, firm foundation upon which you can live the rest of your life. Uh, probably all of us are familiar with uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, it's one of Italy's uh, landmarks because uh, as it was built, it kept leaning and leaning and leaning. It actually took about 176 years to complete it uh, because um, uh, wars and political climate change and the economic status change and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the result was that it, it became a, a world symbol of that Leaning Tower of Pisa. And probably what we really don't realize is we focus on that so much as the leaning tower that we don't realize that it was designed to be a bell tower to add to complementing the great cathedral that was right next door to it. But all the, all the interest was on the leaning tower of Pisa. Why? Because it kept leaning. It kept leaning. And uh, about, um, I, I forget exactly the year, but about somewhere around uh, 1990, I think it was, they shut it down for about 12 years to do some work. And their hope was that they could go underneath it and remove hundreds of tons of dirt at the cost of about $25 million. And that then that leaning tower of Pisa might shift back just a little bit. And it did. And they were able to straighten it, depending upon which report you believe, between 16 to 19 inches of that shift was taken out of it. It still got a little bit of shift you can see in the picture. Well, the whole problem with the Leaning Tower of Pisa was, is, is the foundation. The entire city has been built on a, on a very sandy soil, and it's not very firm. And that tower was shifting because the foundation wasn't firm. If you have grown up in this church, you have a solid foundation of faith. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, and you believe in Him as your Savior, and His resurrection from the dead... That is the very bedrock of your faith. Do not be shaken from that. Stand firm. And if you stand firm on that resurrection and the gospel that Paul says surrounds all of that resurrection truth, then you will not be shaken no matter what comes your way in life. Make sure your life 
is on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. And then you will stand firm when you are confronted with the challenges and threats to your faith. As I thought about this uh, class of graduates going off uh, to college or other places of study, um, and the challenges that you will face. It's interesting, Jason snuck out on us. I was going to say, this has got to be one of the smartest classes we've ever had. Nobody's going to Clemson, right? I had to throw that in. Um, two of them have made excellent choices in going to Anderson University. In fact, I spent uh, Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday up there this past week at Trustee Me. So I will be up there occasionally looking at you, checking on you two, okay? And if you need a ride home, I can bring you home. And if you need something from Mom and Dad, let them know, and I'll bring it to you, okay? All right. But I thought about all the challenges that they're going to face out there in the world, especially in, in, and when you get to college. You're going to be in the real world, Chelsea said. You're going to be on your own. Mom and Dad are not going to be there to wake you up. They're not going to be there to make sure you get your reports in on time. Washing your clothes, that's a whole other issue, right? I will not transport dirty laundry. That's one thing I won't do, okay? But I thought about the three Hebrew youth in the book of uh, Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know how they, they refused to bow down and worship King Nebuchadnezzar? And the penalty for that was to be thrown into the fiery furnace? And this is what they said. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, listen to that faith. Even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, they didn't cave in to the pressure. They didn't bow to that force that said it could claim your life. They stood firm in their faith. It won't be long when you hit your college campuses, you're going to be tempted. And you have to remember your faith. And I would encourage you to stand firm. Stand firm. Remember the truth of 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a non-negotiable issue. Stand firm in your faith. Now, let's get to the second part of that verse. This is where we make our application, and it's this. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And that's not just to our graduates, but that's to every one of us, to our church particularly. I want this to be a challenge. Paul says, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain.
purpose when we read verse 58 is to live the resurrection life now. What does that mean? I think Paul would say, serve God. Put yourself fully into what God has called you to do and the opportunities that he's given to you. Some of you might think, well, the work of the Lord is what pastors and staff members and missionaries and college professors at Christian universities do. And that's true. But it's also what you do as a believer in Jesus Christ. When you pray, you're doing his work. When you obey his command to give tithes, you're doing his work. When you give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ, you're doing his work. See, there's many different ways that you can do the work of the Lord. And Paul says, do all of this. Pour yourself into it and realize that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, I want to give you three ways in which we can do that work of the Lord. Three challenges about that. The first one is this. Serve with passion. Serve with passion. The New Living Translation says, Always be enthusiastic about the Lord's work. Psalm 100 says, serve the Lord with gladness. When you look at the great leaders of the world who have influenced the world in whatever was their field, you will notice that one thing that drove them was a passion. They had a passion that they wanted to see a vision become true. And so they lived with a passion and they were successful. And I would challenge all of us, not just our graduates, but all of us, to live with a passion to the glory of God and serve Him with a deep passion. You see, passion is the fuel for our will. And without passion, the things that you say are important aren't as important as you say they are. You see, if we say that God is important in our lives and we have no passion for serving Him or seeing His kingdom increase and we're not willing to make any sacrifices or changes in our lifestyle or our preferences uh, to, to allow for growth to reach more people, then we really aren't serving God with passion. To our graduates, let me say, when you find what God has called for you to do in life, do it with passion, desire, because that's where you get your energy to follow through on what God has called you to do. It also means that no matter what vocation you are in, serve God with passion. We're all called as believers to serve Him, to do the work of the Lord. Now, here's the second challenge to you about how to serve God. Serve people. Serve people. Christian ministry is all about people. It's not just building buildings, and it's not just singing songs, and it's not just having Bible study. It's about reaching people. And developing people to the glory of God. Now, our desire and our vision for Spring Valley Baptist Church is, is that we will reach people wherever they are in a relationship with Christ. Maybe they don't have one. But we want to bring them into a relationship with Christ and develop them so that they grow to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's our desire for every one of us is that we grow to maturity. And the reason for that is that then we won't be swayed by any kind of doctrine, false doctrine and false teaching that comes along. So we need to understand that as believers in Jesus Christ and as the church, that we're in the people business. And the best thing that we have to market is Jesus Christ. See, we own him like he owns us. And we market Jesus Christ to the people who need him. Thomas Monaghan, who was the founder and president, chief executive officer of Domino's Pizza and made it into a, a multi-million dollar business, was in the news recently. He's advanced in age, and most of the time now, 
He spends his time in philanthropic work giving money away. In fact, he said before he died, one of his goals was, was to give all of his money away. In fact, at one time, he not only owned Domino's, but he owned the Detroit Tigers. Uh, he was from the, the, the Dearborn, Michigan area, and he sold both of them. But when he was asked in an interview recently about how he grew Domino's into that major world pizza chain, he said, I programmed everything for growth. Every day we develop people. The key to growth is developing people. You see, the secret of success for Domino's wasn't the cheese, it wasn't the sauce, it wasn't the crust, it wasn't the fast delivery, but it was developing people who work for Domino's. You see, our key for success in the life of our church is to develop people. Why do we do movies in the park? Why do we do vacation Bible school? Why do we send people on mission trips to places like Honduras? Why do we do things like Stop Hunger Now? It's because we're in the people business. And we need to focus on people. Friday night was, you know, it was a night we had to fight the elements. We did show about three-fourths of the movie. It started raining again. It rained off and on, off and on, off and on. We finally had to make a call. But it was so neat to see the people come with their lawn chairs and blankets. And, you know, they pretty much wrapped up and had umbrellas. They wanted to see the movie. And we had a tough call about that. But more importantly than that, we're hoping that as we partner with Awaken Church and as we, and as we work together, that we're going to reach people, just like the little girl that Allison Kelly met who'd never been to church in her life. Can you imagine that right here in Northeast Columbia with all the churches we have? She had never been in church in her life. We're hoping that through the information we provide to them and the movies that we provide free and the Christian environment that's non-threatening there in, at Polo Park, at North Springs Park, that, that we can reach some of these people. That's why we do these things. It's all about people. You know, the last week of the life of Jesus is known as his Passion Week. Why? Because that was the week that he showed his mission of why he came. He came to die for people for their sins so that they could live with him forever. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 3.17, Jesus said, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And how do we do that? Well, we've already seen it on the screen in the the video we watched, but Matthew 22 says, uh, uh, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, when we love God with all that we are, then we will love people the way that God loves them, and we're to serve people. Let me ask our graduates, no matter what vocation you choose in life, remember to serve people in whatever you do. And then one last word about how to serve God and do his work, and that is serve with perseverance. Sometimes we all get discouraged in serving God because we think that what we're doing isn't meeting with any success. We wonder if our labor has been in vain. And Paul says because of the resurrection, all of that has changed. We look at it from one perspective and we think, well, maybe all of our prayers for somebody that's lost has been gone for nothing. 
We say, I, I live by Christian principles at work, and it seems like all the time I'm overlooked and I never get the promotion. You know, I try to witness to my friends at school, and it seems like nobody wants to hear. Well, Paul says that's our perspective, but because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God works on a different perspective. He takes all of our effort, He takes all of our labor, and He uses it to His glory as He chooses in His sovereign will. And Paul says that nothing that we do for the Lord is in vain. See, thanks to the resurrection, everything we do has changed. And God takes it and uses it for His glory and in His service. So I would say to you, serve with perseverance and never give up. I think that's why Paul said in Galatians 6, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. I think the challenge for us is this. Don't live for yourself. Don't request everything in this church to be about you and for you. But live for people who have yet to come. Invest yourself in the lives of people because that's exactly what Jesus did. And that's what he expects us to do. Now, let me ask you something. Can you imagine the impact it would have on the life of this church if every one of us took that, that challenge by Paul to be serious? And that we would live with a passion for loving God and for loving people? And that we would serve people to meet their greatest needs of a Savior in Jesus Christ? And that we would serve with never giving up perseverance? It would radically transform your life and mine. We would make an, inf an influence, would have influence in this community as we make a difference. And we would see more people come to know Christ as Savior and Lord. And then we would hear God's blessings upon us, well done, good and faithful servant. But you see, that's what God calls us to do. To stand firm, without wavering, never giving up. And then to invest yourself fully in the work of the Lord. Serve with passion. Serve people. Serve with perseverance. To our graduating class and to all of us at Spring Valley Baptist. Father, we thank you for the words of truth and teaching from the resurrection that we have looked at here in 1 Corinthians 15. Thank you for the assurance of the resurrection and the challenge that we received today. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to, to serve you. And there are many, many, many different places and ways in which we can serve you. And so I pray, Father, that today we will make commitments, whether profession of faith in Christ or uniting with this church on promise of letter or spirit of recommitment and rededication, that we will make commitments to be your people on mission for you, that we will stand firm with the resolve in Jesus Christ that we will never waver, and we will serve you by serving people, and we will do it with passion. And we pray this, Father, in your name and for your glory. Amen.